Welcome to Nightlight, a horror movie podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Prince, also known as Head Knight. And alongside me, we got Freddy. Always keeping it spoopy. Always and forever. And David backed out. Just yeah. like we said at the end of the episode, we gave him a disclaimer. We did give him that disclaimer. If you did not want to stick around for this movie, you did not have to. And he did not. He tried. <laughs> he, he tried. He did try. He did try. But... Rest in RIP. We are a group of knights with an absolute love for film and a passion for horror. This is a podcast that takes a different horror film to break down, discuss the ultimate question, why horror? So hit the lights, sit back, and let the darkness envelope you. You can support the show over at patreon.com forward slash goodnightlife. And that's not what they would. By pleasure on Patreon, you have access to the show ad-free and as early as Monday with the post-show. If you don't have any bucks to toss, don't worry. An episode is released every Friday on most podcast services around the world. Now... Keeping things going. This is this is week two of our. <laughs> I mean, it is. It is week two, baby. <laughs> it is week two of our. I'm sorry, Mama, for Mother's Day. Our Mother's Day of Horror <laughs> Month. I'm actually really very much enjoying this month so far. We're only it. two movies in, and I'm having so much fun. Um, but we are covering Good Night, Mommy. First and foremost, thoughts. Wow. So uh, obviously, this is my first time watching this movie. I think, oh, was so, this really? Yeah, this is my first time. Uh, I haven't seen the trailer. Don't think I had the image, like, um, in my head about this movie was the bandages around her face. I've seen that before. Oh shit! But other I, than that, I had no idea what this movie was about. Really? I why did I think you've seen this? Because I think we talked about it before. Oh, have we? Oh, okay. yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> and going in blind is probably the best way to enjoy this movie. I yeah. Think. Um, I guess the other precursor that I had was that this is a very brutal movie because you put the warning for David to like you could back out if you want. So I was expecting something pretty gnarly and crazy because every time I see that warning, I'm like, okay, David, you got the out. I'm in. Baby. No, Let's you got You got. You always have to be it, in. Which I, I'm cool with it. I feel like it's not as intense as I thought it was going to be, and maybe that's because I expected it to be very gory or off the walls because of that warning. Uh, but I, I would say I enjoyed myself watching this movie. I don't think it's going to be something that I'm going to rewatch, to be honest. But Fair I enough. think it was a, it's a fun watch. It's a good little twist at the end, which I appreciate. And yeah. it, it has that rewatchability, too, to rewatch this movie and kind of look at the context clues of how the story is being told. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like, I guess the best movie I can relate it to is like Fight Club. Oh, yeah, because it has that kind of same type of storytelling. It's like, right. oh yeah, if you rewatch this movie and you see how this character interacts with its world, you see a whole different perspective. Yeah, and I feel like we just rewatched a few of the scenes before we before you got here too, and you very much see that exact type of story structure in this. And you're like, cool, I everything makes sense now. Right. I still have a lot of questions though. This movie gave me. A lot of answers and no answers in some of the situations. Sure. Hopefully I can um, help you with some of those questions too. But um, yeah, I I love this movie. You full, full disclaimer, I actually very much enjoy this movie. I think this movie is extremely well done and very eerie, very creepy on um, so many different levels. Uh, but the one thing that I really enjoy about this movie um, is the how unapologetic this movie is. 
And I really like that with this film. I, I think this movie knows exactly what it's trying to per se, um, excuse me, what it's trying to say um, yeah. for its message. And also, I think a lot of things get muddled with the fact that it is technically a foreign film, um, foreign for us. Um, but with that being said, I do think that this movie has a really good context of what it's trying to portray its message to be. Um, but I love it. I think this movie is a lot of fun. I think this movie is, it takes you on for a ride and it, it kind of has you constantly thinking and constantly like guessing what's, what's happening here. Like, is right. this person really their mom? What's going on? Like, what the fuck is happening? And I think, I think that's a really fun way to view this movie. I think this is a really, really cool watch. I think that's what helps this uh, story, a type of storytelling specifically with this movie is that you're so focused on one character yeah. that you don't see the misdirection. Exactly. And it's genius. Yeah. It's absolutely it's genius. Like you're constantly looking for clues or Easter eggs about one person. Right. But you're not looking at the clues and Easter eggs of the other person that's involved. Right. And I still feel like there's a lot of symbolism in this movie too, where of course we see like dreamlike sequences and stuff like that. And we see a lot of imagery where it's like, obviously it's, not happening in real life mm -hmm. it's just what he's looking at and i feel like it tackles a very heavy subject as well with like loss and oh yeah the and mental break that he had and stuff like that and how it yeah. kind of correlates with everything that's happening in the events of this movie but i do have to say the filmmaking aspect the cinematography beautiful. gorgeous beautiful really beautiful. beautiful to look at uh shot so well and we'll talk about some of the scenes just like wow this is like a very well shot movie. I agree. And the sound mixing. The sound mixing oh, incredible. is fucking incredible. To be honest. Like the other the honestly the only other sound mixing that I can think of that reminds me of this is uh, a film that we both watched in South by Southwest The Feast. Yeah. And like you you very much Ugh. get that sense exactly yeah like it sends chills down your spine yeah, yeah oh my god i cannot wait to watch that again but um with this like you you know veronica franz and severin fiala both did a fantastic job on this movie and i i i like the way they approach their films because they're the same directors who directed the lodge right which and you covered right exactly and i really really enjoy how they are having this kind of deep dark menacing tone to their films overall and yet they even have like certain aspects of it like on uh like with something that has to do with like religion and things like that like with the boys running to the priest and things like that in this film and and the lodge we added a whole thing was centered around religion and uh, being completely inside of a cult and kind of retracting on that but I think this is interesting and I think this is a, a really, really cool way of how you can showcase grief right? and how you can showcase um, aspects of the grieving process of the brother versus the mom. And like, I really, really, really love that. And it, it makes me think too, because I'm not a twin. I know you're not a twin, but you're damn close. Uh, <laughs> but with us not being twins, like we don't understand that particular type of connection, but we understand right. sibling connection because we both have siblings. But um, with that type of connection that they had of where in some ways they're linked, 
And with that piece being taken away from them and not truly knowing why that was taken away from them. Like it, yeah. it, it, it reminds me of this documentary. Um, it's a really fucked up documentary, actually. It's called The uh, Three Identical Strangers. Have you heard of that? I have not. You should check that out. It's on Hulu. Okay. But it's pretty much about these guys who were triplets and they were kind of separated at birth in a way but by scientists and they were performing studies on them to where they were putting them in, in separate homes. They were only a hundred miles away max from each other and they never knew each other. They ended up finding each other by accident because they went to the same college. Wow. That's right? crazy. Yeah, right? Yeah, so course. they had this connection with each other without even knowing that they had this connection. And they had the same mindset of going all the way to the same college together. And pretty much the whole concept is how do you deal with grief and how do you deal with like someone missing out of your life and things like that. And it was so horrible that actually one of the brothers committed suicide, but it is, it was, it's a very, very horrible story, but this movie reminds me of that. And it it, it takes that, um, that whole centralized section of that, but man, let's go and jump into this, man, because this, this, I can go on and on and on about this, but. Good Night Mommy, directed by Veronica Franz and Severin Fiala, released August 30th of 2014 in a runtime of one hour and 40 minutes. I couldn't find a budget, um, but I did find a, a global box office of $2.2 million and a rating of 85% on Rotten Tomatoes. Pretty solid rating. I think it's well-deserved, too. Yeah. I, I think this movie is very well done. I think it's quite polished. We open to a lullaby being sung in German by a family on an old TV show. After the singing is done, the woman in the middle says, Good night. <laughs> Jump to the boy running in a cornfield, slowing down to catch his breath and look around the area for a moment. He stops, searching around for his brother, who jumps out and tackles him down to the ground wearing a cardboard mask. The twin boys, Lucas and Elias, I am not going to be saying this with an accent, <laughs> continue with, uh, their game of tag in the field. They play on the ground that is soaked above water. That looks so weird. They're yeah. like jumping on the ground and it's like it's like a trampoline. <laughs> um, I mean, now that I know what the whole entire theme of the movie is, it's kind of like he is not on solid ground himself as a character. Ah. So I was like, oh, that's kind of symbolic in the way we see this character introduced to us. Yeah, metaphorically, him bouncing off Earth in the way and kind of off reality. Whoa, he's off-centered. Lucas runs faster, leaving his brother behind, Elias calling for him. Lucas is looking inside a dark, wet tunnel. They both approach it, Elias pushing his brother to, um, to head inside first as he waits outside the Blackfield Tunnel. He can no longer see his brother, so he heads inside. We can't see them, but we can hear them giggling inside the darkness. And I even put here right off the bat that the way this is shot is just absolutely gorgeous. Gorgeous. It's it's a really beautiful take of how they incorporated the darkness and um, even the shine of like the brothers going in and, and so on and so forth. But I just think it's really beautiful on how they deal with darkness in this movie. Yeah. Because this movie's a dark movie. Like it's not like a lot I of it. I would say so myself. I mean, yes, yes both, both metaphorically and also physically, but um, this is definitely like a really dark looking movie. Like a yeah. lot of this happens at night, um, but which is interesting because this is during the day, but still, they are, they are now on a lake, Elias counting to 20 before calling for Lucas. He looks around the water, calling for him again, but still nothing. Cut to the title card. And I like how they transition to that, where it's like just 
Very clean. Very clean. Exactly. And that's the best way I could put it. It's very smooth. Like, it's like, incredibly, yeah. cl- incredibly clean. We still don't understand what this is even meaning because we haven't met a mom yet. Right. Which we're going to meet soon. A car is coming down the drive- driveway, honking as it approaches the secluded house. The boys run inside, thinking that it is their mom calling for her. They hear the sounds of blinds being drawn from, from their mother's room. Going inside, they call out to her as she closes, closes the blinds. And she's already really fucking weird. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, it, it, it's very interesting because I'm just like, wow, she is really weird. But let's put this into context of where we can make sense of this because obviously we're led to think that the mom is the villain here. But let's put this in context of where we can make a little bit of sense. She just came back from the doctors from having a surgery, a yes. literal face surgery. She's probably high as shit. So, <laughs> a little bit. She stays in this character for, the, for a while, for the whole runtime, I would say. I don't think the whole runtime. No, I wouldn't say the whole runtime. Well, I but think her character she, changes when she's in the predicament where she needs her character to change of how she acts. <laughs> I guess. I think she changes when she when she gets the wrapping off because I, I like I assume she has to take pills and all this whole right. other stuff and to make sure that she's healing. Right. So like I assume things are happening to where a lot of it has to do with her being on drugs um, and having to take medicine, but. I don't know. That's just that's just the way I'm gonna think of it to to make sense out of it all. I mean, so, how else can you think about her going into the forest naked and shaking her head wildly? But that was just a dream. Of course it was. But of course. Um, and this is one of the things where I don't know if I should bring it up this early because obviously you guys all watch the movie if you're kind of hearing us talk about it or not. Assuming. I mean, so you might so just want us to spoil it. it. That's fine. All right, I'm gonna spoil. Um, it. Well, if you if you want to wait, we okay. can wait let's, until let's we wait get a little bit. Okay, let's wait until this it. is where my. First uh, unanswered question is uh, okay. Let's get, let's wait. Let's, let's wait until there. we get there and just yeah. stop me when we get there. She waits a moment before turning around to hug them. Her head is completely bandaged, face bruised. The boys are hesitant. She comments about their clothes being filthy, and she commands them to clean up and put their clothes in the washing machine. But however, she is just talking to Elias. She, yeah. she doesn't even acknowledge Lucas per se. And it's funny during these scenes uh, when we're first introduced to the mom, thinking it's like, okay, we have the concept of this might not be their mom. It's like, okay, she kind of knows about where the laundry is and kind of given demands of where to go and stuff like that. That's like knowledge about the house. That could be their mom. But I was like, you know, being a detective this early on. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm like, actually, I'm actually notes. really stoked this is your first time watching it because at this point in time, do you think like, well, not even at this point in time, we'll, we'll get to it a little bit yeah. later, but I have a question for you. Yeah. The twins are taking a bath together before play fighting in the tub. Mother is uh, making some juice, pouring Elias a glass. Lucas whispers in his ears, Elias saying that he would like he would like some too. She tells she tells him that he can ask himself. Elias frowns that she only made him dinner, her sharing that he knows why. <laughs> Retroactively, it's fucking genius. Yeah. It is fucking genius. She leaves. Elias giving him some juice, telling him to apologize. Lucas shrugs while chugging the juice. Cut to them on the couch, playing heads up together. Elias tries figuring out what he is, his mother giving him hints until he gets it. Now it is her turn, him putting him putting mama on her wrapped forehead. She asks her question, getting a majority of hints correct but wrong on her guesses. She asks for a clue. Lucas softly says that she likes animals. It doesn't ring a bell. So she asks for another clue. Elias hints that she has two kids. But she still doesn't really know. The boy's growing more and more sudden. She never guesses. Now, more and more sudden, excuse me. Um, now, this is interesting. Yeah. 
because like I love how creepy this is. And when Lucas asks his question or when he gives his hint, she's she's silent, right? Um, and it makes it think it makes us think that she's thinking, yeah. like maybe she's thinking it's of smart. the next guest. But with the when he says you have two kids, and she's like, I don't know, I don't know who this is. Um, it's it's really interesting. Like when you see this retro retroactively. It is such a fascinating take on this process of ignoring "quote unquote" Lucas. Yeah, because it, it, for us, it makes it, it makes it seem like she's just mad at Lucas, not yeah. that she knows the truth of Lucas. Yeah. Now, evening, we cut to one of the boys opening and closing the blinds before going back to playing games with his brother and mother. Cut to Elias getting ready for bed, brushing his teeth and flossing. While doing so, he notices a cockroach on the ceiling. His timer goes off and he throws away the floss, resetting the timer for Lucas. He comes into the bathroom, the roach falling off the ceiling. Cut to them putting the uh, bug back into the tank with the rest of the roaches. They are playing a video game together before their mom takes it away from them. They groan, but she needs to share something with them. She is being stern with them and she shares that from her doctor's request that she needs rest. Ground rules are in order She and she lists a quiet house because she needs to sleep if it is if it is important, knock no visitors and if anyone asks they are to say that she is ill. Keep the blinds closed to avoid her exposure to sunlight. The twins whisper to each other and one of them getting off the bed as she continues to talk. She asks what is he doing? Him unwrapping for, uh, him unwrapping from him excuse me, uh, her un- unwrapping from him and Lucas, she nonchalantly claims that it is nice uh, taking one of the gifts. And it's, this is so interesting because yeah. like, and obviously I'm probably even like flip-flopping their names because it's so fucking hard to tell the difference. And I tried so hard to like notice like, okay, who is she not paying attention to? But it feels like she's paying attention to both. <laughs> they do a great job of that. That's all about where the camera's placed yeah. and how the characters are positioned. So right. that's all it's genius. the directors. The genius. And it, 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 it does a fantastic job of this and how they break this, um, I guess, this mold even of these two characters, um, Lucas and Elias, on how they try to differentiate each other, but yet they're also very similar, even though yeah. it feels like Lucas is the devil on the shoulder sometimes. Super interesting. Asking if they if they understand um, and will forget it, they nod and she says her goodnights while leaving out of the room. The boys are in the darkness talking about how she is different, one of them sticking up for her because of her operation. And by one of them, I actually mean Elias. I just kept forgetting who the fuck they were. The other claiming that she isn't acting like their mom. They play a recording of their mom, her voice sweet and calming as they follow her instructions. She sings a lullaby to them, turning off the flashlight to go to sleep. Now... This is the part that I want to ask you. Do you think this is their mom at this point? Or are you like you're in detective mode? I know you are. And right. and now you're like are you thinking like is is this their mom? Like what's the mystery here? What am I trying to solve? Okay, at this point of the movie, here's my context clues and the clues I've kind of wrote in my head basically of if she's the mom or not. She knows herself uh she knows around the house a lot. She does. Okay. Cool. Point for her. I felt when they were doing the guessing game, that was a character that they actually knew a lot about and her not being able to guess it and them getting kind of mad about it. I was like, oh, maybe that's not her. So at this point, I was up in the air. I was okay. like, they could or like, I don't know. 
Interesting. And, I, and I'll tell you uh, because I really want to ask you this one question. But do you want to ask I'm me now? Wait. I'm gonna wait. You're gonna wait. Okay. Yeah, I'm gonna wait. Fade to black, um, and one of the twins waking up to clattering outside their room. He leaves out of his room to see where the sound is coming from. Going to his mom's bathroom, watching her put on some ointment with her badges off. Slightly closing the door, she hears quickly, or she hears quickly looking through the mirror with the bloodshot eye. That looks fucking great. Like the, and it was just like oh, that was cheesy. so good. It was cheesy, but it worked. Yeah, it worked so well. Jump scared, somewhat jump scare. Uh, I didn't, I didn't see it as a jump scare. They put the sound effect to make it look like a jump scare. I, I guess I don't know. I, I watch these with headphones, and and usually the jump scares do get me, but like this didn't feel like a jump scare. Um, this this just felt like more as of like what's wrong with her kind of thing. Like what happened. Right. Um, That's fair. Because, like, at this point in time, we don't know that she's a model. Right. So, we don't know that she's getting this work done for her modeling career, pretty much. So, uh, but at the same time, like, I'm thinking, because what this is what I think happened, which actually, you know what? I'll save it. I'm going to save that for the post show. Like, I think that'll be a good, yeah, I'm going to save that for the post show. If I remember, (laughs) he runs back to his room, panting in the dark. Mother opens the door, looking in the room. Luke is hiding on the side of the wall. She can't see him, so she closes the door. Cut to the twins running outside to play in the rain. Inside now, the two sitting together having a belching competition. The doorbell rings. They look through the blinds as Lucas suggests to get mom. Um, Elias goes upstairs, knocking on the door to his mother's room. No answer. He opens the door, slowly coming into her room, gently trying to wake her up. She doesn't wake up until he leaves out of the room, her resuming her crunching on the food that she has in her mouth. Well played, mom. Well played. Will I be doing this? To, will I be doing this to Ellie? Maybe. Back upstairs to the door open. Ilya's calling out to Lucas. The sound of clattering brings his attention downstairs towards the basement, him calling out to his brother yet again. He goes into the basement, Lucas watching a delivery man fill up their freezer f- uh, with frozen foods. Ilya's greets him, the man commenting about how much food they bought. Now this is even more fascinating one of my unanswered questions. Why so many pizzas? Why so much food? It made no sense. They never revisit this. Why? Why so many pizzas? Yeah. Or why is so much food in general? They made a good point of like this guy coming in here is like, oh damn, you guys have so many pizzas. You have food for like a year. Well let's let's think That's let's the writing for it. Let's think about the mom's rules. So she said no people. Right. And she said if there's if there is or no visitors, if there is someone, she's ill. So I think she did that. She ordered that food for sure herself. Um, but she did that because she doesn't want to leave the house at all. Which makes no sense. Well, she does. Well, remember, which, which it's, about, feeds, it's a part of yeah. her modeling career. She doesn't want anyone to see her because she only wants people to see her beautiful. But see, this is where I'm kind of confused. Too. It's like, why pepperoni pizza so much? Oh, maybe the kids like pepperoni she's, pizza. You know, I don't a know. model. She's not watching her weight. Well, yeah, I think it's that, I think this it's is for, what beats for my uh, <laughs> argument is like maybe this is not the mom too. Sure. Okay. That's like okay. There's so much secrecy going right. around. But at this time, we don't know she's a model, right? Yeah. So like, in in with all these pizzas, like you can't think like, oh, it's for both of these boys. Yet it's still technically just one boy. Yeah. I'll say this: at this moment in time, this is where I was leaning towards her not being the real mom. 
and kind of holding them captive inside the house and not letting them go anywhere for some weird reason that I did not know yet. Yeah. But it's like, you know what, kids? I don't know these kids. Maybe they'll love pepperoni pizza. That's, That's like what I'm thinking. Kid food. I love pepperoni pizza. Right. I bought some today. <laughs> I bought two. Actually, I actually. ate pepperoni pizza today too. So. See, there you go. What'd you have? Five guys? I mean, not uh, five guys. Rice. Uh, uh, rice? Yeah. Yeah. Rice. Broly game. $8 for half a pizza. Not sponsored. <laughs> Felt like we were. <laughs> Got to, to them jumping on, the t- on their trampoline as their mother watches from the bedroom window. She turns around, taking her shirt off, inspecting her body in the mirror. Um, interesting shot. Because like it, it feels kind of like one of those stalker shots because it's outside the window, POV yes. style. Like I feel like maybe Elias looked up in the um, window and was just like, what the hell kind of thing. So it's such such an interesting shot. The boys are following a tractor mowing down the field as, as Mother continues looking at herself in the mirror. Every time I wrote down Mother, I thought of that show Bates Motel. Like yeah. when he calls it, mother. mother. <laughs> she adjusts her gown, continuing her gaze. Meanwhile, the boys are exploring more of their surroundings at an abandoned cemetery. They go down the hill, stopping when they hear an animal whimpering in the hole that is covered up by, uh, by the wood plank. I love how compassionate he is about animals. Yeah. I really, too. really enjoyed that. Which, yeah, we see a great contrast of how he feels about life afterwards. But I'm like, okay. Yes. Um, it's fantastic. Real quick about like the mom being like naked and stuff like that. In my notes, I nudity. just put, uh, yeah, I put nudity represents being exposed to her real identity. That's right. And I was like, okay, it kind of shows that maybe she is hiding in clear sight and she's reflecting herself. And remember, and remember we do we get this exposed way, and we get this again in that dream sequence, right, right inside the forest. Yeah. So like, we, it's it's quite magnificent. And then I, I, in the notes here, because I was just trying to see all the symbolisms. Like, oh yeah, they go to the cemetery where they are surrounded by death, they find yeah. life asking right. for help. Yeah. Or something that's about to die. <laughs> <Or next. laughs> they, they head inside, uh, walking on top of bones, following the cat's cries. Fucking catacombs. I don't know. The cat purrs as the boys approach, allowing them to pet it. Cut to, to mother in her room, wrapping her head when she hears them come back inside the house. They sneak past her door, bringing food for the cat that they brought into the room. Watching them, she comes into the door, um, pressing the handle, but it is locked. Excuse me. They immediately hide the cat underneath their bed as their mom bangs on the door for them to open it. They do they do so, and she immediately starts looking around for what they are hiding. She's suspicious, opening drawers, cabinets, etc. Throwing an empty coke an empty coke bottle on the floor, finding a lighter underneath one of the mattresses. The cat is st- is starting to come out of its hiding place. Um, she asks about the lighter. Lucas responding with a smart smart ass and potential racist <laughs> response about them burning some books. That yeah. probably is totally racist. I'm sure. Yeah. Right. Like yeah. we could. We History, could. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We could. We could definitely book assume that that's what he meant yeah. by book burning. Um. She is trying to look under under his mattress. Him clapping his hands for um for her to stop. Um. And this is interesting because I put Lucas, but it's actually Elias that she's doing this to. Right. Um. But like I said, I can't fucking tell the motherfuckers apart. Um. She is trying to look under his mattress. Him clapping his hands for her to stop. She jumps on him, wrestling with him as um as Lucas is calling for her to stop and let him go. She does so not before taking the lighter and slamming the door behind her. Then then comes back, uh, taking the key out of the door and slamming it once again. They are they are on a balcony watching their mother um walk into the woods. She is walking. Walking into the woods, getting completely nude, even taking off the head wrap. These scenes are so nightmarish. 
Yeah. So nightmarish. And it's interesting because we know this is probably a dream sequence, right? But it doesn't play like one. No, because it transitions from like the scene to the exactly. next scene. So it it's feels like it's part so of the story. Interesting. You but know? it is it's extremely nightmarish. It's extremely unsetting, unsettling, but it is it works so well. <laughs> I thought it was real until what she does with her face. And I was like, oh, right. okay. Yeah, now yeah. I know it's a nightmare. Gotcha. Yeah. Now I know this is Jacob's ladder. It's just standing in the middle of the woods, looking away from the camera until she, um, her head shakes rapidly and violently. And obviously this is so we don't get a clear look as to what she looks like. Right. Um, and that's what I, I pictured it as kind of, of what you said earlier, Freddie, of kind of this representation of her true self and us seeing her face in that in that state isn't something she want wants us to see not even what she wants to see she doesn't want to see that right so it's literally her in the middle of the forest aka being out in the open yeah. exposed so, right yeah, yeah exactly they wake up next to each other from their shared nightmare with just a flashlight as a source of light they grab one of their pet roaches they head they head into their mom's room gently placing the insect on her chest it climbs on her face then enters her mouth while she is sleeping and CG is a little little wacky a little here wonky. for me, but it's fine. Cut to a lullaby playing on the piano as mother is walking outside in the sunlight. One of the boys is playing the song on the piano. The other brother baking a pug with a magnifying glass while his mother is spraying the side of the house with some type of spray. Elias stops playing the piano, looking at their mo- mom's missing pictures on the wall. His brother comes in, looking beside him. They look through through one of their old photo books, not being able to find any pictures that have her in it. They come across a picture with their mom and someone who looks just like her. A sister, maybe? According to her, it was a friend. They look like twin sisters. They look like twin sisters. And they take the photo of the book. Um, they take the photo out of the book. Uh, while she continues spraying the side of the house, the boys close the sliding door. They grab the computer to search for Marie Christine Mettler and find several pictures of her. While looking, they find that their house is also for sale. Awkward. The twins knock on the mother's door, no answer. They sneak into the room, placing a baby monitor underneath her bed. They, uh, Their mom comes into the room, the twins hiding, one still underneath the bed. She drops, she drops some things on the floor, and she picks them up as he tries to move more and more away from her, then leaves out of the room. She, he comes out from underneath the bed, searching for his brother, who is, who is outside of the patio, and he, like, bangs on the, on the window, right. which is so interesting because it's, like, Lucas can just like disappear. Exactly. And that's one of the biggest clues that I saw revisiting this scene. It's like, right. oh, wait, now knowing the ending, I was like, makes so much he more sense. Disappears. Right. It, it makes so much more sense how he can just go with the blip. You know, right. he lets him inside and they run back into the room. Lucas turns on the monitor. Elias um, calling for him because he can't find the cat. Uh, while they are searching, their mom calls for them to do their chores. They put they put the empty box back downstairs. Lucas is vacuuming while Elias looks for the cat, Leo. Mother comes into the room. Elias almost running into her. The room the phone rings. She goes she goes to answer it. They turn the vacuum off to eavesdrop. She says, "Quote, I've all I've I've excuse me. Quote, others I've oh my gosh I don't know what I I think I wrote that wrong but I'm gonna say um." I have others worry. I have other worries. Um, I won't play along anymore. I have to make him stop. He has to face it. End quote. Now this whole aspect is also really interesting. Um, 
because when I first saw this, I thought they were she was maybe talking about their dad. Yeah. But I mean, obviously, upon watching this again uh, and also uh, towards the end of the film, like you understand what she's actually going towards and gravitating right. towards and understanding. This is one of my unanswered questions, too, about the dad. They never really talk about his situation. Is he alive? Yep. Is he dead? Is he gone? Is he traveling? We get no I get, guess, closure on that, but that's fine. I mean, we get He's nothing. not an like, important factor in right. the movie, in the story itself. Do they even mention him? They mentioned him once. It's like, oh, dad would let me do this. It's like, oh, that's right. I'm not your dad type of thing. But yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Well, go with your fucking dad then. She <laughs> tells the person on the phone to hold on and the boys immediately turn the vacuum back on. She goes down the hall, locking herself in the room to talk on the phone. They leave the vacuum running while they go look for Leo, but they can't find him. The twins check in the freezer room, finding Leo dead behind the water heater. Lucas whispers that they um, that they know it was her. They, they lie with the cat, pay, um, paying their respects to the helpless animal. Man. <laughs> it's a weird scene. It is a, definitely a very, very interesting scene. Um, but, like, I, I do find it fascinating how compassionate he is, like, about animals. But here's the thing. Do you think he actually killed the cat? I thought about it. Okay. It definitely could be something. That he had some part in too. Because I feel like he is creating this story for himself that he's being betrayed by his own mother to maybe cope with what really happened in his life. I mean, that's what has to ha- be happening, right? Because, right. like, I mean, it, it's he takes this mindset of where he creates this facade for himself. Yeah, this whole narrative. Exactly. That this- his mom is the one who is not real. Yeah, And it's interesting because it's like later in the story we find out the truth, but I love the fact that he thinks his mom's not real. Yeah, because the person that's always telling him this whole entire narrative is Lucas. Right. And he's usually whispering it in his ear. Right. And it's really himself talking to himself. Which is, is very genius because like when we talk to ourselves in our head, like it's kind of the same concept. Like, it's just pretty much, obviously, no one's right next to us speaking to us in our ear. But it's kind of the same thing. Like, it, it, we are talking to ourselves in our head. So yeah. it's it's a fascinating thought overall. Cut to them filling up the jars with cockroaches, then emptying bottles of, of chemicals in the tank, placing the body of the cat inside. Leaving it on the uh, living room table, the boys hide um, behind the curtain as their mom comes into the room, inspecting it. She leaves out of the room to grab their jar of roaches, dumping them into the liquid with the cat. This is fucking gnarly. Like, the fact that they, like, put this chemical with this cat, and, like, I don't even know what the chemical was. I didn't really get to read it. But um, I assume it was, like, some type of preservant for this I cat. Think it was, yeah. Like, I assume that's what it was. It had to have been, right? Um, why did she leave it on the fucking like table for so long i would have oh, i would have yeah. taken that out immediately like all right like i said so many unanswered questions yeah Even the motive of doing what they were doing and what she's like you know what there's a dead cat and these chemicals i'm gonna go get their fucking roaches and i'm gonna start pouring them in I, and i know that's gonna bring them out well like, I, it, what it's the train of things. thought in this movie i was like what is going on <laughs> well she's trying to teach cool him a lesson it. yeah of right? course like she's like, trying to teach him a lesson in that moment but i like how she's like cool with it like that's a normal thing for her she just looks at it Leaves the room, comes back with the roaches, like, yeah, this is what's happening now. Like, right. someone spilled water on the ground. 
It's just like, oh, I can get you in trouble now. Yeah. But it's very interesting how these characters interact with each other. Right. They're both, in the way, trying to plot revenge on each other or, or kind of let each other know that, like, I fucking see you and I see what you're doing. Right. So, like, for them to do that, it was just like, look what you did. Look what you did. Exactly. <laughs> like, this is this is your fault, mom. And then for her, she was just like, I don't give a fuck. Like, <laughs> I'll add more fuel to the fire. Let's get these roaches and just chuck them in. Very interesting. Very interesting. One of them react, the other trying to hold them back. Uh, she continues doing it to have them come out, but they don't right away. She pours the whole jar. Um, Elia is running over, slapping the jar out of her hand, calling her crazy. He tries to get the insects out of the chemicals, mother grabbing him, asking him uh, about what he, what is going on. Elias cries that they want their mom back. She yells at him to clean it up. And to go back into his room, he comments that he isn't there. He comments that she isn't their mom. Um, she slaps him, demanding him to go into his room. Luke is asking for her to show show them her birthmark. She grabs Elias, dragging him, um, dragging him to the stairs into his room, locking the door. Lucas bangs on the door through muffled breaths. She commands Elias to say that she um, that she is there, their mother, ten times. Um, he says it, yelling for him to say it louder. And he obliges. Once complete, she shares that she is only going to make one breakfast and take one set of clothes out. She then demands him to not speak to his brother. He tells her no. She slaps him, asking him again to promise her, then takes his cell phone away. She opens the door. Luke is hurrying inside as she commands them to stay in, t- in their room. <sighs> what a fucking scene. I love this scene. It's pretty intense. And now it's extremely intense. knowing the ending everything makes sense of what she was saying. Basically. Exactly. And for her, it, it was just more so she's just tired of it. She's just tired. Right. She's tired. Lucas checks on, on Lucas checks on his crying brother, consoling, consoling him by placing his hand on his shoulder. He cries saying that she wants, she wants to tear them apart. Cut to mother crying alone, sitting on her bed. And this part, retroactively speaking, breaks my fucking heart because she's crying because she misses her son. Yeah. Like, that destroys me. Oh, man. We quickly jump to a message from our sponsors. We jump to the brothers hitting each other, asking if their strikes hurt each other. They are making arrow shanks, testing them out on the wall. They hear footsteps approaching their room and run to hold the, hold the door closed. Mother locks the door. Then they tr- they try to unlock it, or they try the handle, and realize that they are locked in. The twins turn on the baby monitor, listening on the other on the other end with a candlelit vigil and a picture of their mom. They pray for for her return, bargaining that he will do anything as long as she comes back. These bo- these poor boys have to pee in jars. Yeah, damn. I mean, no one's a saint That's here. Sad. That's brutal. Yeah, no one's a, a fucking saint. Moments where it's like this mom is pretty ruthless, to be honest. Word. Uh, they continue to they continue to be in their locked room. Cut to Lucas waiting for waiting with their makeshift weapon waiting at um waiting at the door. A timer goes off. He wakes up Elias to keep watch while he tries to sleep. Elias goes over resting uh, resetting the timer, watching the door, but falls asleep. He wakes, realizing that the door is now open, but the timer continues to tick away. Elias leaves his room, arming himself with a box cutter. He proceeds to slice his mom's stomach open, releasing the roaches from her stomach. Elias um actually actually wakes up from this nightmare grabbing the monitor overhearing his mom pleasuring herself weird yeah but 
<laughs> this is where the sound mixing really kicked in for me. Oh, the yeah. sound of like the ticking of the timer and right. then him going into the hallway and the way he opens the box cutter and you see him down the hallway and he's far away. It's a great shot too. Beautiful. You hear the box cutter open slowly and you hear that like sliding sound. And I was yeah, like, damn, that, that sounds great. Yeah. And it like, gave me goosebumps. I was like, this is a terrifying movie. It is just the sound alone. It is like this. So, this movie fucking rips, that. dude. Like this movie's so good. <laughs> and of course, you know the scary imagery of the cockroaches. I was like, ooh, this is probably one of the scenes where, like, yeah, David. Maybe, I'm, like, I'm pretty saw sure this one. And he's like, all yeah, right, I'm I, out. I, yeah, I'm pretty sure this was this was it was either this or when the boys later, had to like yeah. maybe either be stuck in their rooms because he can't do like children being affected, right? Um, but. Yeah. Next day, the the boys are cutting their their hair to make sure that they look exactly the same. They sit on their bed consuming uncooked hot dogs, <laughs> as one does, <laughs> while their mom comes um, comes back unblocking the unlocking the door. But they have to block it, block it with a stack of books. She knocks on the door, revealing herself, asking if they are friends, and kindly asking for them to open the door. They move the stack out of the way, their mom opening the door without her head um, bandaged. Now, obviously, well, not obviously, but I believe she did this, locking them in the room, or locking Elias in the room, mainly because of the fact that he kept saying, you're not my mom, you're not my mom, you're not my mom, and she was just like, well, let me heal up first, dog. And I'll show you I'm your fucking mom. But that's what I think. I don't know. The twins stare at her. Mother asking them what they think. They look at, at a photo to make sure. She asks if they are friends again, but they continue their silence for a moment. They shake their head, or they, excuse me, they nod their head, um, and she hands them a boomerang. The boys give their thanks, Funka, um, asking if they can try it outside. <laughs> Mother is opening the door for them, the twins pushing her out of the way and them, them running outside. She screams for them to come back, but they continue running through the woods. They run to a farmer burning some hay, and he like shoes them away. He's like, "Get out of here! Fire! What are you doing?" <laughs> Shot beautifully. I it is, say. It's gorgeous. It's gorgeous because you see the smoke and it's spiraling around them, and then they finally get to that destination of this farmer who we saw earlier um, yeah. mowing the hay, um, but. It's interesting. He shoes them away and they leave. They walk on a railroad track into an empty town. A man is cruelly playing the accordion walking down the lonely road. I fucking love that. I think it is so eerie of this man playing the accordion and walking down this road by himself. Yeah, the whole place looks empty. It's fucking incredible. Incredible. Yeah. And like I... I've only been to Spain. That's the only part of Europe I've been to. Um, but when I was in Spain, there were interesting moments where the uh, we were in Barcelona. And when we were in Barcelona, there were moments where the town was just dead, like in the middle of the day. And eventually I learned that like, oh, between the hours of two to five or something like that, um, everyone's kind of like taking a break pretty much. Like stores are closed and things like that. Yeah. It sounds was amazing. so interesting. Oh, yeah, it sounds great. Like, we are 100% doing it wrong here. But <laughs> with that, like, it made me think, like, oh, maybe it's, like, the kind of that time of the day where they're taking a break. I mean, this is a European country that they're in. So right. it, I, it made me think of that. The twins go inside of a church, one of them blessing himself before continuing forward. Who do you think blessed himself? I think Elias. I think it, it could be. Yeah. I think Elias. Because Lucas just gung-ho straight kept going. 
or mm. I assume Lucas Gunko kept going straight going. Like I think it was Elias who kind of blessed himself, and it, it's such an interesting correlation because like I like I pointed out earlier, Elias or Lucas feels like kind of the devil on the shoulder, right? And he just kind of just going straight forward while Elias was blessing himself. And Elias is the one who gives the prayers. Elias is the one who who does all that stuff. So that's true. He's the one that's most connected with his faith and right. religion, essentially, and cares more about like the animals and stuff like that. Like you were saying, right? The more, yeah, in touch with his feelings, I guess. Yeah, they walk towards the front, meeting a man sweeping. They ask for his help. He's an odd fellow. <laughs> yeah. uh, they ask if he's a priest. He tells them that he's a, se- a sexton. The boys ask for the priest in if they can call him. The man tells tells them that that he can, gently placing placing them down the broom. <laughs> Cut to them in the back seat of the priest's car. Them asking if he can come inside the police station to explain to the cops. The priest claims that um, this isn't a problem. The twins continue looking out of the window. Thunder crashes above. The boys being pulled in in front of their house. The priest gets out of the car, shaking their mother's hand, waving for the boys to come out of the car. They don't, locking themselves inside the car. He gets in the passenger side. The boys are running inside the house. Mother thanks the priest. He asks if, if she would like to explain what happened. She mentions something something about the separation and an, and an accident that begins um, that begins to make her cry. Now, with the separation, you assume she's talking about the dad in that moment. Yeah, I, I thought it was like the separation of the time of her being at the hospital and leaving oh, him alone. Oh, sure. That, that makes sense as well. Yeah. But this priest kind of pissed me off. I was like, come on, they came to you for help. You're not going to take them to the police, even though it's like a claim. Like, take your word for it. You know what? And just movies in general, trust kids sometimes. Sometimes. Believe in kids. Sometimes. Unless right. you're unless you're watching the movie Children. Don't trust those but, kids. Yeah. But, don't, don't trust. Or cooties. Don't trust those kids. There's kill a those lot kids. Of bad kids some movies, kill those for kids. Sure, 100%. Yeah. yeah. Don't don't trust those kids. Kill them. Did you say kill them? Oh yeah, yeah. Fuck. <laughs> Have you seen children? <laughs> no. Oh my god. Yes. Kill those kids. <laughs> uh, the light above turns <laughs> off um in the children on the corn. Kill them. Malachi? They did the right thing. I do want to say too, real quick, when she's talking to the priest and the light just automatically turns off in some random fashion. Fucking gorgeous. Looked great. And it happens a lot where there's a lot of like obscure objects that covers her face. Yes. Which I feel like was a good symbolic stuff of like, oh, I wonder if this still is the mob. Right. And up to this point, I still don't know. Sure. That's fair enough. And I, maybe I'll bring it up now because we're pretty far along. I still, after finishing this movie, don't know if that was the mom or not. <laughs> but we'll talk about that. Fair enough. Later. The light above turns off, leaving the two in the darkness as the thunder continues to crash. She comes into the house, locking the door with a frown on, on her face as she walks inside the house, locking the doors. She heads upstairs to the twins' room, but they aren't there. She closes the door, locking it. She is alone in her room, crying while taking a pill. Mother places her head down on the pillow, silently sobbing until she falls asleep. The light turns on in the room, the two boys emerging from underneath the bed. And, oh, this looks great. <laughs> with their mask on too um um and they t- um well the mask isn't on yet but and they take her keys the next morning she slowly wakes up restrained to the bed frame and the boys raising the blinds wearing their cardboard masks they ask where their mother is she irritatedly asks how does she get out the boys simply tell her she doesn't she doesn't while asking while asking their questions yet again that is fucking terrifying the like mask is a great design beautiful it it's perfect. So great. It looks great. And I love what she says. How do I get out? 
you don't. That is fucking bone chilling right yeah. there. It's a great line. Elias raises his voice, re-asking the question. She demands for them to untie her, claiming that it hurts. They tell her no. She yells that she is their mom, but they don't believe her. They show her a picture of her and someone who looks like it could be her twin sister, them asking who that is. She looks away, seriously, seriously asking where the scissors are. Excuse me. They ask again who the identical woman is in the picture. She tells them that it is her friend and they used to dress the same. She is startled by her phone vibrating. She pleads for them to answer her doctor's call. They take the phone, leaving out of the room, locking her inside. They go into her office, photos of herself um, prepping to get um, plastic surgery. The boys play a video of her on her computer and they point out her eye color. Back inside with their intruder, they pick at, they pick at her face to see her eye color. And I call her intruder now because... They think she's an intruder. <laughs> she yells at them on what they are doing. The boys mentioning that her eye color is brown in the video. She doesn't understand it, yelling that they are contacts um, that she has in her bathroom, which they never found. Right. <laughs> she's not. She's an intruder. <laughs> they go They go into the bathroom to check for the contacts. Um one of the boys ask why is she lying to him about about trusting her. They start fighting in the bathroom as the, as their mom tries to get out of the restraints. They sit in the tub, bleeding from the same nostril. Fucking genius. What? So what you got? This scene, knowing what we know, he's just beating himself up. Yes, that's sad. Yes, like he's literally hurting himself. Yeah. And like if you if you think about it in that context of him truly being alone, yeah. like he's now resorting to self harm because yeah. of grief. It's very sad. <laughs> Mother is yelling for the scissors and she and he throws water on her face to shock her from talking. Um Elias calls Lucas and calls Lucas to come inside the room, but he he doesn't come. She tells Elias to sit next to her. He shakes his head. She insists that they can talk, and he does so. She tries to reason with him that he that he knows she is his mother, asking for him to cut her loose. Elias takes her out of Elias takes out of her phone, showing her the video that she that she took, demanding him to say that he won't listen to his brother. He tells, and he looks so sad in that video. Like that video broke my fucking heart. He tells her that his mother wouldn't do that. She apologizes, and he turns off the he turns off the video. She asks again to cut her loose. Elias um. Ilias drives her off as he continues trying to bribe her, as, excuse me, as she continues tries to bribe him to cut her loose. He calls for Lucas once more, and she asks for him to cut her loose, and she will make him breakfast. He cuts her, he, he cuts her loose, Lucas coming into the room, asking him what is he doing. Lucas points out, points at her face, showing her the, um, the mole smearing, and um, it's actually no longer there. <laughs> wow. Intruder. I knew it. Called it my evidence. <laughs> this is a this is a very interesting point, and how she has like trying to make it seem like she is what the presence is that they know, which is why I, like I'm curious on like the taking away the photos and things like that because she's trying to make herself look a certain way, which is right. why she got plastic surgery. But with her trying to make herself look this certain way you get this very interesting context of their mom. Like it's, it's a con it's a concept of you being a kid and your dad shaves his mustache or his beard off and you freak the, and then you just freak the fuck out. See, I don't know if this is the mom though. Still, even for me, 
I feel like I'm on the kid's side on this too because okay, there's a lot of doubles. Obviously, they're yeah. twins. I think maybe she's a twin. The mom actually died, and she took over like custody, maybe, and kind of wants to like protect him, and maybe had a little bit of plastic surgery to look more like her mom, and actually draws that mole in as well. And maybe she does have contacts to make her eyes brown. Save it for the save for the post show. Save for the post show because this this goes with my theory. We're we're eye to eye right now. She tells him that the uh, the hospital had to remove it. Elias slaps her, and she tries to explain again, slapping her yet again. He slapped the shit out of her. We we can't see, but we can hear her grunting and yelling for for them to stop. Cut to her in bed, her head now restrained, and Elias pointing a magnifying glass on her cheek as the sun uh, peeks through, burning her face. You got them all now. She is sobbing in pain as her skin begins to burn on her face. He goes to the bathroom to grab ointment for her wound. Her wound. Then he tapes her mouth shut. It's like it's like my bad, but I, I'm still mad at you. Like <laughs> she sobs as she as she as they leave the room. They are outside praying to a statue of Jesus. The doorbell rings, and if you even see this portion here, praying to the statue of Jesus, and he has to like realign Lucas because Lucas is slouching. So like he he like pretty much kind of lifts Lucas so he can like also be a part of the prayer as well. So yeah. super interesting. Uh she sobs as they leave out of the room. Oh excuse me. Um the doorbell rings, then a knock on the door. The two the door is open. Two Red Cross volunteers come inside the house asking if they would like to make a donation. Mother tries to wiggle her way out of her restraints. The man takes a look. Mother screams, but they are muffled. They continue looking around the house, checking upstairs, announcing themselves. They are fucking eager to get this money. You know what? I've never been so triggered by two people ever in the movie. <laughs> Why are you like, in this house? I was like, this might be like a cultural thing. But, yo, they are like, the door's open. Let's just go inside. Let's look around. Let's go upstairs. These are the nosiest, Let's wait with this child. Most, like, <laughs> intrusive people ever. And I'm just like, yeah, I don't care about you working for the Red Cross, trying to do good in the world. There's some messed up stuff. Like, if I saw people doing this in my house, like, if I came home to this, I'd be like, what are you doing? It has to be a cultural thing. I would. I, that's the only thing that was like, it has to be a cultural thing. Like, I'm gonna hold back a little bit yeah. because maybe this, like you know, Canada has their doors open. People are all friendly and stuff. <laughs> Here we're a little bit more like protective of our stuff and sure. our own privacy and security. Obviously, I mean, is very important. Yeah, um, but it's like scary if I walked there. to my house and these guys were upstairs in my house, even more so. Like you're in my house. That's not fair. in the front door. You're like in it. That is fair. That is yeah, fair. That, like, that's a very fair point. Um, I, I feel like I need to ask Sabine if this is a thing. And you know Sabine. Yeah. Um, good friend of ours. But I think I need to ask her this if that's just a thing. Because she's Austrian. Yeah. Um, so I, 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 I wonder if this is a thing. I'll, I'll text her after this. She, she totally won't be awake. But I'll text her after this to ask. And hopefully we can get some contacts on that. Uh, the twins come into the house. Uh, the woman asking if their if their mom is home. They tell her that she isn't. Then them blaming the noise on their dog upstairs. They ask what their mom is going to be when their mom is going to be home. Asking if they can wait for her. What? If my mom's not home, go leave. Yeah. What? How much? Like y'all must be broke, broke. Like you didn't get any donations today, then. But see, I feel like this is a cultural thing because they're like, where can we wait? 
Right. It's like, like a normal conversation. Yeah. Cut to the two people waiting for um, Elias, um, Elias's mother to come home, Elias sitting at the table and Lucas in a chair behind them. They check to see how much money they've collected while they are waiting. The woman asking Elias if he is looking forward to school starting soon. He tells her that he tells her that he used to go to school in Vienna before moving there. The man says that they have collected enough money already. She turns her attention back to Elias, asking what uh, what he does all day. Lucas gets out of the chair, slowly motioning him to follow him. Elias makes an excuse to go to go use the bathroom. He goes digging in his mom's purse for some money to give them. Lucas hands the bill to him, and Elias hands it to uh, the Red Cross folks. They ask if he if his mom's if his mom is back, but she isn't. The volunteers are trying not to impose, but Elias continues insisting that his mom always gives this amount anyway. Meanwhile, Mother is still trying to get out of her restraints and tape. The volunteers are almost out of the door. Mother gets out of the tape um, enough to scream for help. They leave. Um, and by they, I mean the Red Cross volunteers. The boys run upstairs as she continues to scream, the woman stopping to look back at the house as she waves goodbye with the two boys standing in the middle of the window. They draw the blinds, then go over to glue their mom's mouth shut, pressing her lips to make sure they are stuck in place. Very wow. Intense. Cut to the twins now grabbing some tools. This is where this movie is beginning to take a fucking turn. <laughs> yes. If David made it this far, he deserves a trophy. <laughs> he does deserve a trophy. He deserves a you participated, you participated. award. <laughs> you made it this far. You, you made it this level. far. As as he says at the beginning of every episode, the horror version. So, got to cut him some slack, everybody. He's not first based <laughs> at this point. <laughs> Go to the twins grabbing some tools. Um, they then they are eating pizza, waiting for another pizza to finish cooking uh, to bring to their mom. They th- they then try to pry her, the, her mouth open, but starts whispering to each other. Elias comes back trying to carefully cut the glue from her lips. <sighs> he cuts her lip, blood gushing from her mouth. Her screaming so much. That she just rips the rest of the glue off of her lips. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Pretty intense scene, I gotta say. But it looks really good. Fucking glorious. So, I, understandably, you didn't find a budget. But I was like, this looks really That looks great. great. That yeah. looks great. Blood pours out of her mouth. Elias pleading for her to prove that she is her mom instead of saying sorry. <laughs> Lucas whispers for him to ask her uh, what his favorite song is. Elias repeating the question back to her. She thinks a moment. Then she says, quote, lullaby and good night, end quote. Elias looks like he is about to cry, not saying anything. He just, he just pulls out a used fly trap, placing it over her mouth. From his fanny pack. Then he, he starts to sing with Lucas the real song. And I don't know what song it was. Once done, he rips it off her lips. Ow. Again. And I even put here, um, the clear look of her state here is just absolutely haunting and brutal. Because now at this point, we're seeing that she pissed herself. And yeah. it's just like, she's just in a complete trace of defilement at this point in time. Like, it's just, it's absolutely 
just it's so heartbreaking and gut-wrenching elias sets another timer asking her where where their mom is she doesn't answer the timer sounding off elias begins to then shove something into her mouth to hold her mouth open while lucas plugs her nose to force her mouth to stay open we are in their room, her, her, hearing her scream and gag. They continue their torturous acts of sawing her tooth. She whimpers and gags. She demands them to untie her yet again. Elias hands a nail to Lucas, him putting it in, in the crossbow, pointing it at her. Elias cuts her. I was wondering, like, what she was actually seeing in that moment. It's just like, like, what the fuck? Like, <laughs> like what do you do? That's true because it's just him. Elias <laughs> um, cuts her loose. Like I, I imagine it, like him handing it to something and it just falls to the ground. Right. She she's obviously freaking out at this moment too. She's covered her in blood fucking all over her kid face. Is literally torturing her. Yeah. I mean, if David made it this far, silver medal now. Oh yeah. Yeah. Not bad. I'm I'm pretty sure he didn't. He did not but, get this far. <laughs> I'm pretty sure he did not. Elias cuts her loose to change her sheets for, uh, from her peeing or, uh, from her peeing herself. Um, as soon as those sh- that shit would have untied, sorry, my kid would have got kicked in the face. It, it would have been a done deal. Would have been a done deal. Yeah. Like, yep, it's done. I'm done. <laughs> Elias cuts her loose, um, to change her sheets. Uh, she does, she does as she is told, grabbing the blankets and then chucking them, um, at Elias. And it's like, ew, blanket pee. Um, as she runs out of the room, she is running as fast as she can, trying to, trying the front door, but it is locked. Mother continues running out towards the backyard, but then she trips over wire. Yeah. Hitting her face on the pavement. Hard too. And that's where the other sound mixing kicks in. I was like, damn, you feel that hit that from thud. face to ground immediately. She slingshotted her body down to the ground. I felt like I broke my nose. And I was like, yo, I am my notes is like the dumbest note ever. I just put like they got her with the home alone trap. <laughs> Got her. <laughs> Got him. We fade in and out to the boys work on more of their sadistic practices to get their mom to spill the beans. She wakes up, her eyes glued shut on the ground, surrounded by candles. Elias has his mask on, takes a candle, lights the tank with the dead cat inside on fire. He asks where her mom where his mom is. With one eye open, because he was able to un- get that one unglued. Excuse me. She asks for him to uh, come towards her. He drops the lit candle on the couch. She pleads that she will play along and talk to Lucas again, adding that he will be alive. She tells him that she will do everything in um in pairs, just like before, so he can believe that she is his mother again. Now, this is where we find out that Lucas is actually dead. Yeah. And... Us finding this now moment of Lucas being dead and Elias, this whole concept of Elias knowing that his brother's dead. Yeah. It's very fascinating. It's the not being able to disconnect from him. Exactly. And have that relationship very bonded with him forever. Exactly. And there's a lot of stuff that you can unpack with this too. You can have the whole theories like maybe he is there in a ghostly apparitional way. Who's like guiding him through this Ever. whole entire journey as well? And I can like, well, yeah, I can believe that. Sure. But there's a really cool imagery where you kind of see his shadow over, sh- like right behind him, right? Like, which is fucking him. rad. And uh, like, this looks great. We have the image right here, and it shows Shout out his to shadows Drew. literally grabbing his mind, right? In the way it's genius, controlling him. It's genius, so, and it 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 it, 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 
it makes well it, it absolutely, and it, it makes it to the point where Elias and Lucas are now one. Yeah, and and you, I get this context of what we're actually about to come up to very very soon here. Elias takes off his mask, telling her that she won't really she won't really do that. She promises, and this is the thing: like Elias knows his brother is dead. Like he, he's just like, you won't play along. And that's, that's what he wanted. And that's what I feel like he meant as, as in you're not my real mom because my real mom will still be grieving with me and still act like he's alive with me. And like for that, it, that like, you know, breaks my whole heart that, I mean, this whole movie is about grief. Yeah. She promises adding that adding that the accident in Lucas dying wasn't his fault. Lucas emerges from behind him, asking him if she if he believes her. Magnificent. How he literally just kind of flows behind him to come yeah. in plain sight again. And that's how I picture it as like him being in one with Ilias. Genius. Um I uh, lost my spot. <laughs> uh, here we are. Telling him that she is lying and for him, for them to prove that she is their mom. Lucas goes over to the curtain with a candle asking what is he doing. Elias repeating it to her. She cries that she can't see him. Elias asking once again, telling her that his mom would know. She sobs. Elias helping Lucas light the curtain as his mom screams uh, for him to not light it. The curtain is then engulfed in flames, falling to the ground next to her. Mother screams for Ilias, and the boys both run past her. The tank then explodes from the heat, setting Mother on fire as she screams for help. Wow. What a haunting image, too. Because she's able to, like, lift herself off the ground at that moment, yeah. lit on fire. Dude. So it was so powerful and so painful, she was able to, like, get off the floor for a split second. You know, this scene makes me think of... It's funny, and I don't mean this as a knock because I love this movie, but it makes me think of Hereditary and how lackluster that fire scene was compared to this. Yeah, I mean, both great scenes. Both are great scenes. Don't get me wrong. As well, extremely symbolic. And but I'm just saying, her acting of how she was on fire. That felt, felt believable. It. Yeah. You're like, she is burning on fire. How did they do right. this? Like, again, what that is this felt budget? real. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it's impressive how they actually pulled this like entire scene off and because they look very and realistic and the it's fire gorgeous. itself. I'm like, did they release a house on fire? Because it looked good. It looked great. I'll, I'll give it to them. Cut to the house on fire. The firefighters trying to put the fire out. A woman then comes out of the house, then walks past the fire trucks. Elias is humming while moving through the cornfield with Lucas. Their mom is walking towards them, singing the song while embracing her sons, them smiling into the camera oddly too long, fading into embers. Then, credits. What a fucking movie, my dude. Yeah. Oh, it is a wild ride. Man, this is a wild ride. I, I very much enjoy it, though. I think this movie is an absolute blast. And and you know, like the thing about this movie that really, really gets me is how how much it talks about grief on the surface level. Yeah. And that to me is very interesting of this film in general. 
because like we could dive really deep into the grieving process of this, which we'll probably talk about a lot more in the post show. But I very much love this movie and how it contextualizes grief for both of them. Yeah, because they have different journeys on how they dealt with stuff. Right. And for her, you know, she's coming to a point for her where she's thinking that, okay, this is no longer healthy for my son, which obviously she was fucking right because look what he did to her. But yeah, I don't know. It's it's a very fascinating thought. Very fascinating thought. Woo-wee, but goddamn, I got some movie facts for us here. Movie facts? That's right. (gasps) The actors were not given the script. The movie was also filmed chronologically. Rightfully done. Rightfully done. Suzanne Wist, West, Wist, Wust, don't know, lived alone for three months to prepare for this role, often completely swaddling herself in bandages. She also kept two pet cockroaches along with her. Oh my God. 240 twins auditioned for the main roles. Wow. God damn! A lot of twins. It's a lot of twins. The bottom line of the credits says shot on glorious 35 millimeter. That's beautiful. Gorgeous to look at. It is gorgeous to look at. It's just, it's absolutely gorgeous. Um, Who directed this? What? Let's get in. I was about to say a Christopher Nolan thing, but I digress. Okay. You do that. I'm a Christopher Nolan stan, but that... (laughs) This horror. Let's stay with it. Let's stick with it. That's fine. <laughs> the plot is very similar to Capgrass Syndrome, a.k.a. Imposter Syndrome. People who experience this syndrome will have an irrational belief that someone they know or recognize has been replaced by an imposter. Whoa. That's cool. I didn't think of it that way. Yeah, I, I have a whole different definition of imposter syndrome Me too. for myself. <laughs> yeah, like like I always picture imposter syndrome to be like with me right like which, i don't deserve the things i have right sometimes. Like, exactly which i guess i guess that's just honestly that's probably us just we probably shouldn't even use the terminology imposter syndrome because right. it, it is an actual syndrome but um yeah interesting now this is also really cool the plot is extremely um, similar to a tale of two sisters which is actually a japanese movie or korean i believe um which follows a young girl with disassociative personality disorder living alone with her father on it, which is why, obviously, I didn't have it for this one, but I kind of wanted to do it for like a Father's Day thing. Um, unable to cope with her sister's death, she keeps hallucinating about her still being alive. This is also very uh, similar to The Uninvited, if uh, if you've seen that movie with Emily Browning. Um, but same concept. She believes her sister is alive. She gets a stepmom. She, I think she kills her stepmom, <laughs> but yeah, sorry. Spoilers for the uninvited, but I've only seen it once, so I might have not even spoiled it for you. I might have just lied. But <laughs> what a fucking movie! Yeah, I, I love the twist. The yeah, twist it's, is a, really it's, a, great. it's a fun twist. I think a lot of people would appreciate this movie. And like I said, it has a lot of rewatchability. Going back it and does. watching it again and seeing how uh, Lucas is treated by everyone, no one pays attention to him. No one does. He doesn't interact with anyone. Yeah. And I think that's something that they did a really good job with the writing yeah. to make everything look like he's involved, but he's not. Right. So Absolutely. Kudos for the directors, kudos for the writing. And yeah, like I said, the cinematography is shot in a way where it's both beautiful, but also tells a story and has like that sleight of hand of just really keeping you in the dark. And they use darkness, like you said, very well. Mm-hmm. And the way they even showed the imagery of like, having objects in front of her and having her have like the obscure 
nature of like, we don't really know who she is. And I'm not going to show her in her full form. And when I do, I'm going to just show her in nightmare sequences of her being naked and being exposed. Yeah. There's a lot of imagery in here and a lot of symbolism, which I really appreciate. Yeah. Same. But let us know what you think about Good Night Mombi over on Twitter at nightlight underscore pod. That's also night with a K. Um, but our next film that we will be covering will be Mama. David Mama. will be back for that for sure. I would hope so. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's Andy Muschietti. Director from uh, It Chapter 1 and 2. So I'm excited to, to cover this one again because I've only seen it once. Yeah, and creature design made by Grandma Del Toro, I believe. That is true. Yeah. That is also true. But let us know what you think about this, and we want to ke- definitely keep this conversation going. But this was Nightlight, a horror movie podcast. I was one of your hosts, Prince, also known as Head Knight. Alongside me, we have Freddie. Always keeping it spoopy. Always and forever. Also known as Nighty Night. Our efforts to get our show out is not enough. We need your help to spread us out to more ghoulish nights. Rating us with five stars is very helpful, but we would love for you to recommend this podcast to someone who would actually enjoy it. You can further support the show over at patreon.com forward slash goodnightlife and that's not what that was. By pledging on Patreon, you have access to the show ad-free and as early as Monday with the post-show. If you don't have any bucks to toss, don't worry. A new episode is released every Friday on most podcast services around the world. And remember, everybody, don't forget your nightlight.